0: Touch three people, say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready. Uh, we are finishing up the series today, the last installment of Overwhelmed. The last installment. How many of you this has helped you uh, the last five weeks? Has this been an encouragement to you? Uh, I know last weekend Pastor Timmy was here and brought a fantastic word Uh, I know in Denham, Pastor Ryan preached and brought an amazing word. They talked about the Sabbath, and uh, I'm thankful that they preached so I could take a Sabbath. And uh, thank you for giving us margin as a family to be able to unplug and rest, to be healthy and uh, so we can serve you. And uh, so I'm excited about the the final installment. In fact, I felt this was so important. I'm I'm going to let you kind of guess maybe what we're talking about today. Let let me start out by reading you this quick story I came across uh, this week. A barber... In a small town, I I read this, I thought about my grandfather because he was a barber. He cut hair for 50 years. He raised five daughters, five daughters. Come on, how many know you need the grace of God when you have five girls? He raised five daughters as a barber and he he charged a dollar a haircut, okay? How many know that That was a different day? Uh, A barber in a small town was feeling very generous one week. So when the local baker came for a haircut, the barber gave him one free of charge. Can I get a good amen? Oh, I like the freebie. The next morning, the barber found a dozen donuts waiting for him at the shop. Kind of a cool thing. Later, a florist came in who also got a free haircut. The next morning, the barber found a dozen roses waiting for him at the shop. Finally, a preacher came in. Still feeling generous, the barber gave him a haircut absolutely free of charge. So the next morning, sure enough, you guessed it, There were a dozen preachers waiting to get their (laughs) hair cut. Come on, everybody say, God bless the preacher. Okay, I want you to guess today's topic, okay? Guess today's topic. We go to school to learn about it. We work to earn it. We give advice on how to handle it. We go to the mall to spend it. Holla, holla. We worry we won't have enough of it. Marriages end over it. We're warned not to love it. We're encouraged to bless others with it. What are we talking about today? Mm -mm -mm. Come on, I know that when you talk about money in church, people get nervous. I know that, but I felt so strongly about this topic. In fact, I rearranged some of the, the installments of the series so we could finish talking about money. If there's one thing that overwhelms us, it's resources. If there's one thing that creates stress or anxiety, or if, if you get worked up, you know, I'm telling you, you, you struggle through things, it is financial Pressure. Now I know when you talk about money in church, people have different views of that. You say, wait a second, Pastor, didn't we just receive the offering? Yes, we did. And I'm not gonna pass the buckets in front of you again. All right, so everybody take a deep breath. Exhale. I know some people get mad. Well, I can't believe we're talking about money in church. Some people get glad. Yes. Bible loves the Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. You know, some people get sad. Oh, great, I feel guilty now. I I wish I could give, but I'm not in a position to give. And then some people feel like they've been had. That preacher wants my money. He's after my money. I want you to know this, that in today's installment, I feel so strongly to underscore everything by this principle. I want absolutely nothing from you, but I want so much for you. The motivation of this message today is not to extract anything from you. I'm not trying to milk you or squeeze you for another dime or another dollar. As your pastor, I want you to know I have so much in my heart for you. I want something for you today. I don't want anything from you. Uh, Out of curiosity, you want to take a guess as to the number one factor that causes marital strife and divorce? It's money. Yeah, and some of you didn't know that, uh, that throwing a frying pan was an Olympic sport, did you? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, people get angry, upset. You know, you get married, man, you got nothing but love. How many know love don't pay the light bill? If you've ever made big-time mistakes regarding money, do you know what that makes you? Over 12. <laughs> How many of you have made some bad decisions as it relates to finances. Okay, only three of you. Wow, the rest of you. Man, 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 man. Yeah, some of us have a Ph.D. in D-U-M-B. Can I have a good amen? I want you to live free from stress, free from worry. I don't want you to be shackled by the pain and the struggle and the strain of finances. Do you know the best book ever written on finances is this book right here. It's the best thing that's ever been written. I mean, what you think about, Oh, I don't know, I don't know, pastor. Surely I've all the things to preach, can't you find something better to preach on than money? Do you know that in the scriptures, there are over 500 verses on prayer? There are over 500 verses on faith. And there are over 2,300 verses on money, possessions, and finances. Do you know that almost two-thirds of the parables that Jesus told had to do with money? Two-thirds. Think about that. Jesus spoke more about money and possessions than he did about heaven and hell combined. And yet I feel like this, I feel so strongly in my spirit. I want you to catch this. Because the Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. And I feel like some of us struggle financially simply because we don't say what God has to say enough about money. Are you with me? Now, if you, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to take you to several different places and give you a couple of different thoughts that are going to get us started here. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus said this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Mm-hmm. For you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot. Somebody say can't do it. It's impossible. You can try, but it's impossible to serve God and be enslaved to money. Can I have a good amen? You can't do it. And in fact, in other words, what Jesus is saying here is he's telling us money makes promises that it cannot keep. In fact, money will promise you. Won't you hear this now? This is, this is important. Money will promise you what only God can deliver. Think about that. I think that, that, that money, materialism, finances, those are God's greatest rival. The number one rival of God in the earth today is not the devil, but it's money. You can't serve both God and mammon is what the Greek says. And that Greek word translated is into money, finances, materialism, or possessions. You can't serve both. Now, let's read this one more time. No one can serve two masters, for you'll either hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, I want you to view this through a positive lens. Notice the last part. You cannot serve God. How many of you are serving God? Hopefully that's a large portion of us here. If you're serving God, the Bible says you cannot be enslaved to money. Now, that's good, that's good news. In other words, that tells me that you and I as believers, because God is our master, money will never master us. I won't be a slave to money. I don't have to do, I don't have to bow to the pressures of finances because I'm serving God. I want to do a little exercise to help us as it relates to this idolatry of the 21st century called money. I want you to take out your purse. Ladies, take out your purse and get your wallet. Fellas, reach in your back pocket, and I want you to get that little piece of leather out. Okay, can we do that? Okay, just just, just a little exercise exercise no we're not passing the offering containers it's okay I've already I want you to take that little piece of leather and put it in your hand all right now I want you to look at it I want you to caress it some of you talk to it won't you check inside and see if anybody's home come on you know, what, what you're looking at, it may look like a little piece of leather, but really this has become the God of the 21st century. Nod your head if you're with me. I mean, now, now, now this little thing will make promises to you. Hey, I'll make you popular. I'll make you happy. I'll give you success. I'll give you significance. And sometimes if we're not careful, we get caught up in what the world has to say about this. Now, as you're holding this, my question is, is this holding you? Now, we're going to take a little baby step, all right? A little small baby step in dethroning the God of materialism. I want you to take that little piece of leather, and I want you to pass it to the person next to you. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Now, if you're sitting next to your spouse, you're lucky. Some of you fellas are like, man, she's got her hand all up in my wallet anyway. Yeah, but when you pass it to your neighbor, come on, turn to your neighbor and say, hello, neighbor. Did you feel the tension in the room just rise? Oh yeah, we have released something now, oh, dear Jesus. Okay, now, I want you, now that you've got a new piece of leather in your hand, I want you to give extravagantly to the purposes of God. I'm just teasing. Return the wallet back to its rightful owner. But I want you to see, do you see the feelings and the emotions that are attached to our money? Can I have a good amen? I mean, how how difficult was that? How vulnerable did that make you feel? Number one, to pull out your wallet in church. Number two, to pass it to the person next to you, you're thinking, oh, dear Jesus. But the Lord tells us that you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and you'll hate the other. You'll be drawn to one and despise the other. In fact, God is trying to underscore this. If I am the Lord of your life, then that little piece of leather should not have any power over you. God's saying, I'm bigger. Come on, can I have a good amen? Somebody say, he's bigger. He's definitely got to be bigger than what's in this wallet because I don't have a whole life. Now, I want to give you some, some kingdom principles, okay? Now, this, this is the way of the kingdom. Uh, you won't hear this in a secular seminar on finances, but I'm determined. I, I have seen this in 44 years of experience, and I've made a lot of bad decisions along the way. I've learned a lot about what the scriptures have to say, and I've discovered this. The way of the kingdom works. The way of the world hurts. But the way of the kingdom works, and if you're spending and operating your finances according to the way of the world, you're going to run into a lot of pain, hurt, and heartache. But the way of the kingdom, it works. I want to give you three simple kingdom principles that are going to help break that financial stress off of your life okay some of you came in with a lot of dark clouds covering you as it relates to finances there's been a lot of hurt a lot of mistakes a lot of worry a lot of anxiety today we're going to break the stress of financial strain off of your life and we're going to do it through the word of god if you're taking notes i want you to write this down the first thing i tell you is this right out the gate kingdom principle number one is the word generosity somebody say generosity that's why we say here at Healing Place, give first. Because when you give first, it builds faith. How many of you are thankful that we serve a give-first God? I want you to think about this. The scripture, and we don't really quote this scripture in financial terms, but I want you to view this verse through the lens of dollars and cents. The Bible says this, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he did what? Come on, God was so motivated by love that he gave. What did he give? He gave his one and his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. I'm telling you, it was the love of God that motivated him to give. Can I tell you this? You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Mm -mm. You don't believe me? How many had to write a check for your rent, mortgage, or utilities sometime this month? You gave, did you not? Was there any love attached to that at all? None. It was painful. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. You see, we serve a give-first God. Now, three things I want you to notice. I want you to notice what he gave. I want you to notice when he gave. And I want you to notice how he gave. What did he give? He gave us his best. Write down that word somewhere. God gave us his best. That's what he gave. He gave us heaven's best. He didn't send some broken down angel. It wasn't like he had 12 sons to choose from. He only had one. He gave us his best. Notice when he gave, he gave us his first. Somebody say first. I mean, think about it. Before we ever did a thing, God sent Jesus. While we were sinners with no guarantee of what our response would be, God gave his best and he gave his first. Now, notice how he gave. He gave us sacrificially. What did Jesus do? He laid down his life on a cross. So if God gives us his best, his first, and he gives sacrificially, then God sets the model for how his children are supposed to operate. Can I have a good amen? I want you to know this. If you have Jesus in your heart, then generosity is in your DNA. It's a part of the character and nature of God. I want you to know this. Beloved, hear me. Hear me. God's heart drips with abundance. It drips with abundance. Aren't you glad God wasn't stingy when it came to grace, mercy, patience, kindness? Where would we be if the God that we served was stingy? How many of you are thankful that you woke up to new mercy this morning? You know why you needed new mercy this morning? Because you used up all of yesterday's mercy last night. Come on, talk to me. But today we wake up with new mercy, new grace, because we serve a God whose heart drips with abundance. He's a give-first God. So our response, we're a gift 1st church. We think in terms of generosity. Now, I tell you, the world thinks, listen, God's heart drips with abundance, but the world always talks about lack. They're preoccupied with lack. Think about it. We always talk about We don't have enough. We aren't talented enough. We aren't smart enough. We're not good enough. Uh, We didn't get enough sleep last night. We go to bed thinking about all the things we didn't get done. You see, the, the mentality of the world is lack, but the spirit of God is abundance. And some of us need to shift gears in the way that we think. We need to change our mentality from scarcity to abundance. You see, that disarms the power of this little thing right here. If you have a lack mentality, you will be a slave to what's in or what's not in your wallet. But if you have an abundance mentality, this thing will not have power over you. You will have power over it. Now, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. I just want you to know that. That's misquoted. There's nothing evil about money. The Bible says it's the love of money. Money simply a tool. Come on now. If you put resources in the hand of the righteous man, God will use that for his kingdom purpose. So let, let, money is, is amoral, all right? It's not good, it's not bad, but it's what we do with that. Somebody says, well, money changes a person. That, that person used to be okay, and then they got rich, and man, what a jerk. No, no, no. Money doesn't change a person. Money simply reveals who the person already was. If you were a jerk when you were poor, you'll be a colossal jerk when you're rich. Now watch this. There are two widows in the Bible, and I don't have time to turn there, but I just want to give you an overview. This is going to help people. Now, I just feel the spirit of God. Some of you have faith to receive what I'm about to say, and you're going to walk out of here changed today, all right? There are two widows in the Bible. There's one widow in the Old Testament that God sent the prophet Elijah to. Okay, and nod your head if you remember that story. Read it in 1 Kings 17. Read it on your own. It's a powerful story. She's down to her last meal, collecting a few sticks. She and her son are about to die, and God sends the prophet Elijah to her. Then there's another widow in the New Testament that Jesus notices and compliments during a church service during the time of the offering. The widow's mite. How many of you remember that? Heard that before. Now, these are two widows in the Bible. One had a scarcity mentality. The other had a mentality of abundance. The Old Testament widow, she thought in terms of lack. Elijah came to her and says, listen, well, well, what do you have in your house? And she says, I don't have anything. I have nothing. A little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. I'm about to die. She, she was preoccupied with what she didn't have. But now the widow woman in the New Testament, all she had was two little pennies, two little copper coins. She gave what she had, and God provided what she needed now think about this the old testament widow she was challenged it was a test to trust god can you trust god with what little do you have a little bit of flour a little bit of oil she had no idea that if she would put god first in what little she had there's more where that came from there's more where that came from you see a heart of abundance will put god first because you realize that god is not about to shut the lights off in heaven because we serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Do you think God is nervous up in heaven thinking, oh, what am I gonna do if the offerings at Healing Place don't improve? Oh my goodness, I'm gonna shut the lights out. Y'all wanna see the Big Dipper tonight, don't you? Not gonna be able to pay that light? No, 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 no. Does God lack anything? Does God need our money? Listen, God, God, God doesn't care about your money, God is totally crazy about you. Now, if you and I will position ourselves with a spirit of generosity, I want to challenge you today. You need to shift gears from scarcity to abundance. You need to make a decision that you're going to be generous. How many of you, generosity just feels better? Let me ask you this. You like hanging out with stingy people? How many of you have ever been to lunch with somebody and when it came time for the bill, you realized real fast that you were eating with a stingy person. <laughs> that bill, one check or two. Uh, oh, and somebody's got to tie their shoe. or I, look, I got to take a phone call real quick. I'll be right back. Oh, they got little alligator arms. They can't reach out and grab the check. Have you, have you seen that commercial? Okay. Oh, I, t- yeah, I need that. Yeah. Oh. For real? Okay, here. No, no, generosity feels way, way, way better. Why is it that we operate and think and talk lack, but we serve a God of abundance? Watch this. I want you to, and this may be the most important thing I say all day. I want you to hear this. Hear this with your spirit. When you give what you have in faith, watch this. When you give what you have in faith, God will give you what you need in abundance. You give what you have in faith, God will give what you need in abundance because the heart of God drips with abundance. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. If God would not withhold his own son, why would God withhold resource that you know you need and trusting God to supply? Are you with me? Mm -mm -mm, I can remember... So years ago when the kids were small, and it's amazing how these grocery stores, they put the, the candy on the, the lower shelves right there at the chest. Have you noticed the st- strategery around that? Oh, yeah, they do. And kids are smart. I, I was with Alexa. And so we're going through the checkout. And man, she has worn me out. I've been all over the store trying to get this list for Rachel. And then finally, I staggered, struggled to the, to the checkout line. And then here's the candy at eye level. And Alexa is begging me for Skittles, begging me for Skittles. Daddy, please, if you just give me these Skittles, I, I'll never ask for anything else again. <laughs> never in my whole life. How many's heard that one before? I get her a bag of Skittles. She's all happy. We get in the car. We're riding to the house. I'm like, baby, can you give Daddy just a handful of Skittles? No. Whoa, 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 time out. I wanted to pull the car over. Who gave you the money? Who bought those Skittles for you? She said, Mama. (laughs) Who gives Mama all of her money? Jesus. (laughs) I said, girl, listen. Listen. That, those toys that you play with, those little sandals that are on your feet, that little barrette that's in your hair. You know, I start naming all the stuff that she... That little teddy bear. Oh, yeah. Who bought... Who bought whose resources brought all that? I did. I, I, look, I could have bought that whole shelf full of candy. I could rain down Skittles all over your head. And all I asked for is just a handful. She gives me one Skittle and thinks it's generous. <laughs> Here you go. What? And sometimes I wonder if we're not treating God the same way. Oh, wait, tithe? 10%? Oh, really? That's just Old Testament. No, no, we're New Testament Christians. Okay, you want to go New Testament? Jesus told the rich young ruler, sell everything you have, give it to the poor. So I'm like, oh, that 10% sounded really good right now. <laughs> Hey, we struggle to give God 10%, but we don't think twice when we give Visa and MasterCard 19 and 20%. I know we got some first time guests that are like, man, I picked the wrong Sunday to come to church. (laughs) Listen, you cannot outgive God. You can't do it. Do you mean to tell me how, how presumptuous is it us to think that we're more generous than God himself? The Bible says in Luke 6, Jesus says, give and it'll come back to you. But it doesn't come back to you the same way that it left you. It comes back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Come on, can I have a good amen? How many of you, you want to live that kind of life? Some of you said, oh, wait now, pastor. I don't know. Are you preaching this prosperity gospel? Listen, I'm not saying that after service, everybody gets a BMW. (laughs) That would be nice. But how many of you know you can be driving a BMW and your life is still a hot mess? BMW in a mansion is not going to fix the financial pressure and strain on you. This is a hard issue. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, wherever your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Somebody say Generosity. You see, I believe this, that if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. The reason why some of you finances are escaping you is because of a stingy spirit. And God knows I can't get it through him, so I'm not even going to give it to him. But if you'll release what's in your hands, God releases what's in his. If he knows that you'll distribute the blessings of God, then he's saying, guess what? I can trust him with more. I can trust a generous person with more resource. Oh, I got to hustle. Are you into this? Okay, so everybody say generosity. Generosity. Give first, and that builds faith. Number two, everybody say stewardship. 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 We say give first because that builds faith. faith. Stewardship, we save second, and that builds wealth. Now, stewardship is something that we don't talk a lot about, but it is a big deal when it comes to finances. Stewardship is the ability to handle something with wisdom, discipline, and responsibility. Can I say that again? Stewardship. Now, this is our responsibility. God is a generous God. We trust him. But then what he puts in our hands, we have to steward with wisdom, with discipline, and with responsibility. Let me ask you this question. How many of you think it's a good idea to spend less than what you make? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not in Congress. (laughs) How many knows if if we lived our lives the way they spend money in Washington, D.C.? Broke like no joke. Are you uh, What? Setting a budget is simply giving a name to every dollar that you make. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of always wondering where it went. Come on, talk to me. Proverbs 21.5. The Bible says this, good planning. Come on, somebody say good plan. Good planning, good planning and hard work. Somebody say hard work. hard work. What does it lead to? Prosperity. You see, prosperity is a biblical word. Some people have abused it, misused it, and tried to preach it in ways that aren't of the kingdom. But the Bible is filled with, with promises of how God wants to bring abundance and prosperity to you. But it requires good planning and hard work that leads to prosperity. But hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. We've got to have a good plan. Turn your name and say, be smart. Be smart. You know, it's hard to out-earn stupidity. Can I have a good amen? Man, What? No, no, no. Use some wisdom, exercise some discipline, and be responsible with the resources that God has given you. And it's it's better to have a good plan. And some of you, to give you some help, we have Financial Peace University, FPU. Some of you have been through that already. You know, I checked some statistics of a recent class that went through FPU, and they've retired thousands of dollars of debt. They've been able to generate thousands of dollars in margin to, be, to begin to spend in a healthy way and save for the future. I had a guy send me a text not long ago, and this is what it said. I literally I, I copied it and I pasted it. He sent me a text and he said, Pastor, the Gonzales Police Department just called. They caught the guy that stole my wife's credit card and want me to come sign papers to charge him. I told them absolutely not let him go let him keep the card he spends a lot less than my wife does <laughs> i promise that's a real text from a real hvc member you know who you are baby some of you need what i call a plastectomy it's called plastic surgery come on talk to me Yes, we've got to rein in some of our spending practices. We've got to be good stewards. Listen, if we're irresponsible with $50, why would God give us $500? If we can't manage $1,000, some of you are like, man, if I could just win the lottery. If I could just win the lottery. Pastor, are you okay if I win the lottery? I'm not endorsing you playing the lottery, but if you win that 10%, I can calculate 10% of $155 million. Listen, if you win the lottery, but you're not responsible with the little that you do have, what was meant to bless you will actually be a curse. You see, stewardship is the ability to responsibly Spend and decide how we uh, manage our our finances. Look at what the Bible says in Deuteronomy eight eighteen, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you what the power to get wealth. Listen, this is your Bible. All right. I know we don't talk about prosperity and money and wealth and finances a lot, but the Bible has a whole lot to say about it. Remember, God, your Father, He's the one who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may establish the covenant He's made with your fathers. You see, if we're in covenant relationship with God as it pertains to our resources, what does it say? You say, "Well, God, God's going to give me wealth." No, 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 no. God gives you the power to get wealth come on somebody he's not going to drop it in your lap you know he's going to give you opportunities to steward what you have now so he can give you more in the future you see money can't make you happy but debt is guaranteed to make you miserable i think you need to have margin in your life you need to save for a rainy day because guess what it's going to rain how many has ever heard of a thing called murphy's law what is Murphy's law? If it can go wrong, it will. Can I tell you this? If you have a savings, it serves as Murphy repellent. <laughs> Murphy will leave you alone and go visit your neighbors. Come on, somebody. If you have margin in your life, if you save for a rainy day, I guarantee. I, I recommend that you save between two to six months. Whatever your living expenses are, if you can build up to the point where you've got some margin, that way when trouble comes, and it's coming, when life hits you square in the face, it doesn't have to knock you completely out. Let me give you this last thought under stewardship. Your citizenship in heaven should influence your stewardship here on earth. Your citizenship in heaven should influence your stewardship here on earth. I think the people of God ought to be the best financial stewards on the planet. Now, let me give you this final point. Everybody say generosity. generosity. Giving first builds faith. Everybody say stewardship. stewardship. Giving, uh, saving second builds wealth. Now, everybody say contentment. Oh, i am telling you this. When you live on the rest, it builds contentment. Let me finish by telling you this. Contentment will allow you to be ambitious for the right reasons. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be ambitious. But when you are doing it from a place of contentment, then God says, okay, I can give you abundance in resource because you're not living life out of greed. The Bible says God will supply all of your need but he doesn't supply all of your greed. Contentment, I'll tell you this, in, in today's world, today's culture, selfishness and greed can jump on you in an instant. Have you noticed how commercials, they no longer inform, but they manipulate? You gotta have this, you gotta have this. You got What, your cell phone doesn't open the garage door, your cell phone doesn't control the thermostat, your cell phone doesn't lock the doors, your cell phone doesn't make a microwave pizza, your cell phone doesn't, what? You need a better, better cell phone. You know, or you know, your car. Well, your car doesn't have keyless entry. Your car doesn't have you know, booty warmers when it's cold. Your car does. You know, your car can't launch a a, a rocket into outer space. Your car. You know, you need i ma- I'm tell you this. Let me just give you this little exercise. Kevin, okay? you this to a little exercise. This is a powerful exercise. I want you to just think. It could be worse. In fact, I want you to say it, it could be worse. Next time you're tempted to think you need a a better cell phone, I want you to think, you know what? I can still make a call. It could be, I may not have the latest, greatest, it could be worse. Next time you get in your car and you're tempted to think, oh man, I need a bigger, better, more, faster, expensive car, I want you to think, you know what? It could be worse. Next time you walk into your house or your apartment, you're tempted to think, you need a newer, nicer, more expensive house, I want you to think, it could be worse. Next time you look at your spouse and you're tempted to think, I need a newer, nicer, more. No, I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. teasing. Could be worse. Oh, I've got so much to say on this and I'm running out of time. Contentment, contentment is one of the most powerful things. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, he said, godliness with contentment is great game. It's true riches. You want to be rich? I'm talking about rich toward God. You want to be truly rich? Embrace contentment. When you're content, you can settle down and you can just enjoy life because you don't have to have the latest, greatest, keeping up with the Joneses. Don't do it. That is a rat race that has no finish line. You will never cross the finish line that says, okay, now I'm finally happy. Oh, no, you're not doesn't matter how much money you have if you are empty in your soul. See, I debated whether or not to tell you this story. I want to tell it to you anyway. I've shared it in the past. I remember about four, five, six years ago. Maybe, no, it's been longer than that now. I remember after church one Sunday. We, Sundays are, are big and they're long days for my family, which we love it. We love what we do. But when the kids are small, you know, their nap times get messed up. And I remember Trevor had, had missed a nap, and so he was not in the best of moods. We were at a restaurant late afternoon because at Healing Place, we have church all day, and we just eat when we can. So there was only like six families in this restaurant, and all of them were Healing Place family. Well, so Trevor, he not in the best of mood and, you know, needing some rest. He, you know, wasn't really sweet toward his mama, and so he headbutted Rachel. Pow! I was like, Okay. Come here, boy. We're gonna have a little pow-wow. So I marched him through all of the HPC people. Hey, God bless you. God bless. You. Praise the Lord, brother. Praise the Lord. Yes, isn't God good? Get over here, brother. No, and so I took him to the bathroom, and we had a little pow-wow. Daddy went pow, and he went wow. And this brother was blowing snot bubbles, and so. And I'm thinking, okay, now i got to walk back through the HVC families and not get called by Child Family Services, you know? And so I went into the little stall to get some uh, toilet paper to help clean his little nose and, and, you know, settle him down a little bit. I walked into the stall, and right there on the toilet paper dispenser, I see it, it would look like a $100 bill. Right there on top of the toilet paper dispenser. And my first thought was, that's clever. See, that's a Christian tract. Have you seen those tracts that look like $100 bills? And you go get it, and it's like... Oh, it's the Roman's road to salvation, you know, our four spiritual laws. And so I, I thought, man, that's really a good idea. Somebody is, this is really cool. Well, I picked it up, It it wasn't a tract. And it wasn't just $100. It wasn't $200. It wasn't $300. F- five, it was $800 cash. Yeah, what would you do? <laughs> okay, praise the Lord. Okay, Trevor, get on up in here. So I go back, I go back, I sit at the table. I'm like, Rachel, I, I got cash in my pocket. She knows I never carry cash. I got cash in my pocket. She says, no, 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 I can pay for lunch. I'm like, no, baby, you don't understand. <laughs> Benjamin and his friends are with me. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not going to make an announcement. I went to every table. Hey, did you leave something in the men's bathroom? Are you missing anything? Nobody had. had, So I talked to the manager. I said, listen, if somebody comes and says they they have lost something significant, because I wasn't going to say, hey, who lost $800? I did. No, no, no. I said, listen, if somebody comes back and reports having lost something significant in the men's bathroom stall, that was a really weird conversation. Here's my cell phone number. Call me. For three days, I called. Nobody claimed it. So the kids are like, Dad, what are we going to do with $800? You know what I told them? I said, this money doesn't belong to me. It came into my stewardship. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to bless single moms. We're going to send kids to camp. We're going to put this money on the mission field. And all $800, you said, Mike, why are you doing that? I'm not saying in a self-serving way, but I wanted to teach my children that money will not own me. I will not be a slave to money, but God, if you can trust me with $800, maybe you can trust me with $8,000. And how many you know that every time I go to this restaurant, I make a stop in the stall? Oh, Jesus. Okay. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) But I want to invest this word in you because I think God is trying to lift some stuff off of people. He doesn't want you to be stressed out over money. There's more where that came from. If you trust God with it, there's more where that came from. And if you'll be generous in good works, God will be generous in resourcing your life. Do you receive that today? Come on, can you put your hands together, show your love? Thank you for listening. For more information about Healing Place Church, go to healingplacechurch.org. Or give us a call at 225-753-2273.